You're listening to the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm your host, Jarrett Smith. Well, hello and welcome to the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm Jarrett Smith. Each episode, it's my job to engage with some of the brightest minds in higher education and the broader world of marketing to bring you actionable insights that you can use to level up your school's marketing and enrollment performance. In this episode, I sit down with Katherine Reich, Senior SEO Strategist at Echo Delta, to take stock of the current state of organic search and what's ahead in 2021. We start by discussing why Google has remained the dominant force in SEO and the important algorithm changes we've observed over the last few years. Then we talk about a major update Google has planned for 2021, known as the Page Experience Update. We wrap up by sharing our best predictions for the next 12 months. As a bonus for this episode, Catherine's put together a short guide that lists three SEO tasks you can partner with your web developer to perform over the next year. And the first item in her guide is preparing for that page experience update I just mentioned. You'll find a link to download that guide in the show notes for this episode at echodelta.co. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Catherine Reich. Well, Catherine, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jarrett. Yeah, I am super excited to talk about SEO and looking ahead in 2021. It's not the first time we've done this. It is in podcast form. Right. But it's not the first time. So it's not the first time. I've been here before. So this ought to be a fun conversation. And you're like my favorite SEO person. So there we go. Catherine, I want to start off with kind of what maybe sound like a, a very basic question, but it's something I think about periodically, which is why after 20 years is Google still like the dominant force in search. I mean, DuckDuckGo had like that huge billboard campaign. And then right before this, I looked up their market share and it's still like 2% in the US. So why is Google still, when we talk SEO, we're really talking about Google. Absolutely. I mean, it, the reason that we are still talking about Google as the imminent one is right now they have what, like 90% of the market share. And I think it's an interesting question to ask, you know, why? When I started to look into that, you know, there's the narrative, right? There's the the things that make the headlines or the beginnings of a keynote speech of like, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have told me a faster horse. And I think Google has a lot of that fictional motivating stories behind it. But really, if you look into it, it was a combination of a couple of things. One, they came in absolutely at the right time. So Google didn't enter into this stage until search engines had been a thing for about 10 years. And also the dot-com bubble and burst had happened. So they had a lot going for them. One, they hadn't you know, built up all of this energy and all of this, you know, business for only it to be crushed. Like, again, everything else happened then. And they also could learn from that. So they saw not only who got decimated, but who was able to survive. And I think they made a lot of great judgment calls. One, a lot of the search engines that were still around even after the dot-com bubble and burst were your I'm going to call them hubs. So think AOL, think Mm, Yahoo. mm -hmm. These were user experiences that were trying to be everything. They were trying to actively be the internet for you. Like your entire web portal. Yeah. 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 And, And since AOL really was one of the first, you know, ways that users, especially of maybe our generation and age were exposed to it. Yeah. I think a lot of businesses went into making a search engine with the attitude of needing to be 
AOL and a, maybe a different flavor of it. But Google didn't do that at all. I mean, Google really was the preeminent force behind that overly simplistic design that, that we now see all over the entire yeah, internet. Yeah, I mean, I remember back in the day when Google came out, it was like, it's just a search bar. Like, that's it. There's just a, a little text box there. Yeah. And, and that was so special to them. But what that allowed them to do was to do one thing really well. And, and I think what's interesting is even as they have expanded and, and now in many ways they are that hub, right, of the AOL used to be. But you know when you are in one of their, you know, service offerings, if you will, which one you're looking at and you're only in that. And there's ways to link back and forth. But if you are using Google search, you know you're using Google search and it's not trying to send you to a million places. And so I think their ability to stay very focused coming in at the right time and also just asking themselves, how do we give people what they want? A lot of search engines in the very beginning were trying to make judgment calls for users. And Google, when they came in in 1997, they were asking, how do we ensure that searches are relevant? So they came in with this whole relevancy thing. And they're still doing that today in a lot of new and exciting ways. But they were the first ones to say, you know what, why don't we, why don't we put the user in charge? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, then they, they launched their advertising product. They're making a ton of revenue. They can hire the best brains to figure this out. And I mean, now we've just seen the product evolve and evolve and evolve. And of course, fueled all by this advertising revenue that, I mean, ultimately, that's a product they're trying to to keep folks coming back so they can see more ads. So yeah, that that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it in the kind of that long-term historical perspective. So let's just kind of think about the last couple of years. I mean, I know you've been doing SEO for a long time. I know the sort of SEO game has changed a lot over the years. It used to be a lot of these kind of silly games you could play with keywords and that sort of thing. And it's really a lot more sophisticated now. Just kind of looking back over the past two or three years, what are the things that really stand out to you as kind of landmark changes or in how Google operates and how it's determining at the end of the day, what's relevant, what should appear in that number one position when you search for a term? Great question. I think what we saw probably at that three-year mark, um, maybe the the three to five-year mark, is that Google realized that that SEOs uh, like ourselves were mm-hmm. doing things. Right, marketers had started to exploit the system, and so in that five to three mark, they started to uh, do things like penalizing. Right, there were there were steps that Google were taking to say no, stop that. You know, SEOs, stop that. Stop trying to exploit mm-hmm. these search you know, loopholes. Then I think what we've now seen and and what we've moved into in the last two to three years is the flip side of that. And I think the more positive thing of, okay, how do we get back to relevancy? How do we get back to making sure that users are having a great time when they're using our product? How do we make sure that they're, you know, getting what they need, you know, for Google, you know, a big thing that they look at is, you know, does your main content and, and a lot of their documentation, they refer to it as MC because they love acronyms, you know, is that MC addressing the user's intent? What Google does that I think is really interesting, too, is they have real human testers Mm -hmm. um, that test, you know, before and after their releases. And if you look at their documentation, you know, they even say, listen, if somebody's intent is to find a lighthearted, you know, humor site, then provide them that, you know, if that's 
what they're looking for. It doesn't need to be an encyclopedia article that's like very long and text heavy because they know that's not what a user is looking for. And so I think the last couple of years we've seen that. And I think the ways we've seen that is things like page speed. I mean, page speed has, you know, become more and more important. I think we've also saw that um, in, you know, just the, the HTTPS and making yeah, sure yeah. that that was part of it because, you know, what Google realized is that people's intent was to stay safe on the internet. So even zooming out from what they want out of a search, what do they want out of their search experience? What do they want out of websites? Mm-hmm. And to me, this has been a much more exciting time to be an SEO because it's the fun stuff. It's not just like fighting against like the bad stuff. It's how do we truly do great work using the digital tools that we have in our toolbox in a way that, that Google is going to like it, but ultimately that a user is going to like it. Yeah. And that's way more fun than like stuffing a bunch of keywords into something like, you know, I feel like anybody can do that. But this this takes creativity, I think. Yeah. You know, it's kind of an interesting point. On one hand, it's like as the algorithm has gotten more sophisticated in a way, the SEO's job and, and you you may not 100% agree with this, so I, I like please disagree. <laughs> but I'll, I'll and I'm sure I'll give you multiple opportunities to disagree and you set me straight during this conversation. But in a way, in a sense, the SEO's job has gotten a little more straightforward in that it's less about the. There are technical details that matter, absolutely, but at the end of the day, Google's gotten very good at figuring out what people want. You need to write the create the best web experience and content that will serve whatever it is that your users want. And if you're doing that, there are other details that matter that could hold you back, but that's really, that's the main course right there. And these other things have become more side dishes where it used to be no playing SEO games could be your main course and getting backlinks, you know, that were from websites that you owned and and paying people for links and stuffing your content with keywords, those kind of silly SEO games, you know, that could be your main course and the content could be the side dish, but it's really, it's kind of set the priorities right. And it's in a way you have to think more like a content strategist and an editor than you used to. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I absolutely would. And I, I didn't know where you were going at first. I was like prepared to do Good. I wasn't entirely but, sure where I was going okay. either, but it, it ended up somewhere good. So. I, I like where you ended up. No, I, and I think that's a great point I, because I think that, you know, if I had just taken you at the statement of, you know, it's gotten more straightforward, it, you know, of course my, my <laughs> eyebrow went up, you know, listeners can't yes. see that, um, but it did. As you're saying, the straightforwardness is create a good experience because I agree. I think, you know, three or four years ago, you saw more instances if you were a search engine optimization person such as myself, where you had to make these compromises, right? You had to say, okay, how do I spice in, you know, some things here? We're just going to keep talking about food analogies, aren't we? Uh, But, you know, sprinkle in some, you know, very search engine crawler bot stuff. And then, oh yeah, by the way, we also need to sprinkle in some of the actual user stuff. Now it's really looking at the user stuff and going, hmm, on the technical side, are, are there ways that we can, you know, make it faster? Are there ways that we can, you know, the data structures on the the website to make it crawlable? But it's not, 
they're not conflicting anymore. And I think that's awesome. I think that's a really, it's a good time. To you know, I, I remember, you know, for years having content, you know, having SEO related discussions with clients and saying things like, well, we have to think about what's good for the search engine and the users, kind of what you're getting at. And we have to think about those things kind of separately. And it's, it's not that we never say that or think about that, but I feel like that phrase, like let's serve both kind of comes up a lot less often. And it's more like, no, let's really nail this user need. Let's really focus on that. Let's be awesome and better than anybody else on the internet at this thing. And we have pretty good idea that as long as there's nothing egregious on the technical side, or we clean up some of those details that that that's going to be sufficient. Yeah. And I, I think too, that for a long time, I think if we zoom out even a little bit outside of SEO, but I, I swear it'll, it'll come back here. Uh, if we zoom out a little bit, I think there was this mentality that a website was a a digital brochure. And that was it. It was a digital brochure. And where I think a lot of, you know, businesses and institutions could fall into a trap like one might in a brochure is I'm going to talk about myself in the way that myself is organized. And it was very mm -hmm. much like, you know, me, me, me. What I think search engine optimization has made people realize is that you have to match it to your users. It can't be just about you. It has to be about you, but in a way that the user wants and needs and can understand. And that's great for search, but that's also great for conversion. That's also great for brand sentiment. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things I think are coming together to work more cohesively than ever before. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. So let's kind of think ahead. So here we are at the top of 2021. So looking ahead, I know that I've been hearing a lot about uh, some updates that are on the horizon, the core web vitals for anybody who's been following kind of SEO uh, for the past several months, you're hearing that come up a lot more. And I know mostly from talking to you that anytime Google announces, hey, we've got an update coming then you better pay attention because they normally don't. They change the algorithm and make updates to it constantly without telling anybody, sometimes with great impact. But we, I know there's some things on the horizon in 2021 that are kind of a big deal. Can you talk about that? What do we know? Yeah, no, great, great question. Because like you said, we know that when Google is taking it so seriously that they are telling us in advance that it's coming, that it's already kind of happening. And I think a great example is to look um, back at that HTTPS update where Google said, hey, uh, you probably should have a secure website, which mm -hmm. fair, that's a reasonable request for them to make because users care about security. And then they said, oh, hey, no, really, we are going to incorporate this. We are going to market on the search engine result pages that your website is not secure unless you get your act together. And I mean, if you didn't handle that, you know, as that release happened, I mean, people lost huge swaths of traffic. I mm -hmm. mean, just people who for so long they had an old website, but they had good, maybe robust content that had a lot of information. But that release came out just like Google said it was. And, you know, they went from being on page one for, you know, maybe some local things that they are the, you know, eminent person who maybe provides that service in their area to maybe page two where nobody is saying it. So, I think that if they're announcing it, we know that it's a big threat. I, I think that, you know, well, let's talk a little bit about what goes into the update first. So it's the page experience update. That's kind of the the name us SEOs like to name them. Uh, but when Google... So they're calling it the page experience yeah. update? Okay. And so 
the kind of rhythm that it falls into is if Google announces it ahead of time, they get to name it. Um, but if they just like sneak one in on you, the SEO community just kind of names it. And that's where you get like the really weird ones like Panda and Fred and Phantom and all of those fun ones. But this one is a very straightforward name. It's the page experience update. And what it's looking at are these new sets of metrics that they're you know really pushing uh, that are called your core vitals. Of course, it's a series of acronyms. Of course, they sound very technical, but when it comes down to it, it's, is the user having a good time using your website? So the first one is LCP, so your largest contentful paint. And really what that is, is it's not just how fast your page loads, it's also what elements load quickly. So Mm. we could get into the technical stuff, but honestly, it would probably bore us to tears, so I'll listeners, I'll I'll save you it. It's really, if you've ever gone to a website and it's taking its time to load, it's taking its time to load, and then you start to see stuff flicker and it comes up and it's like, oh, like, I don't care what this picture halfway down the screen is. I can't even read the content yet. Right. It's making sure that that, those first important things that are loading are loading fast enough. Um, So it's not just, is it loading fast? Is is the super important stuff. Are you prioritizing things the right way and the way that the web page is loading? Mm-hmm. In a way right. that a user you know, would want. So that's the first one. The second one is your first input delay. So that's going to be uh, your interactivity. So how that's working, how you're able to you know, click through things and how quickly you're able to do that. So that's FID, FID is I think, you know, some people are using it as, yeah, Yeah. great. And then CLS, uh, your cumulative layout shift. What they're calling this is stability for those listeners who were around in maybe the AOL days and the days of uh, the original Firefox and all of that, you know, those pop-ups that you would get that you would like chase the X because the, like the interactivity is is purposely trying to mess with you. Mm -hmm. It's how... Is that interactivity functioning and is it functioning in a way that's blocking content or blocking functionality mm. or is it moving around? Is it doing any of that kind of weird stuff? And is, is that operating as a good a good experience? And again, they're putting metrics around it because it's nice to have standards to measure things. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. I mean, we're marketers. We like KPIs. We like goals. And so that's what they've done. But just like a, a KPI is really helping you measure how many leads are we moving the business needle? That's what this stuff is. It's really, is your website in a place, a measurable place where people are going to have a good experience? Mm-hmm. So if we're looking ahead to, you know, the the core web vitals or the, the larger sort of page experience update that's on the horizon. Well, I guess first question, do we have like an ETA? Do they do they dignify us with some idea of when it's going to happen or is it just like 2021? So in the past, Google has given timeframes and they have not always adhered to them. I think the general consensus in the SEO community is to expect this in March. Now, all of that being said, If you make these updates now, you will see an improvement in SEO upon launching them. You know, hypothetically, if these metrics are bad now and you fix them, they're already taking these things into account. It's just that once that release comes out, it's really going to matter Mm -hmm. that if that's a 2% of the entire, you know, algorithm now, maybe it's four to six later. And I'm, I'm making those numbers up totally just to give kind of a, a context yeah. for for scale there. But yeah, we should be seeing that in March. It 
could come sooner. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's just it's it's Google's prerogative as to when they do it. But most of us in the SEO community think March. Yeah. And I know that Google has released some tools, right, that like a Chrome extension that allows you to kind of see how you're doing mm-hmm. on each of these three metrics and that sort of thing. So if you're, we have any in-house SEOs out there or maybe someone who manages an in-house SEO, like what do they need to be doing? Like what would be some logical steps that they could do with this to, to kind of make sure that they're ahead of it and prepared when that update comes out? Yeah, great question. I think that uh, first and foremost, think about whatever your developer likes in terms of snacks or beverages and go ahead and maybe <laughs> purchase those and get those stocked now. Yep. And then, yeah, you can go online. Uh, Google has several tools. I'm sure we can include a, a link to them. And it'll tell you how you're performing. And it also gives, I would say, pretty good documentation that mm-hmm. your developer can use um, to see, okay, what what changes you know on your website do they need to make in order to, to bring mm-hmm. that up? up to to goal. And and I can imagine somebody listening to this who says, okay, well, I'm in charge of an enormous, you know, higher ed website that has thousands of pages. But one thought that I have is that it would also be helpful to kind of prioritize what really matters in search, not necessarily every page on the website gets a lot of organic traffic or needs to appear in organic traffic, but something like, uh, say, a degree page to me seems like an obvious example. It's like that's a big gateway for unbranded search where you, that that particular page on your site could be re- ranking for a degree program. You need to make sure that that's pretty – like your degree pages are pretty buttoned up, for instance, right? Absolutely. I would say, you know, for our higher education clients, the the places they should be looking at, the homepage, obviously, yeah. um, always always a great place to start your degree pages. Uh, and also, if you have any, you know, blog or news articles, mm-hmm. um, I would be looking at those as well, since those are getting crawled a lot. They're kind of getting added. Well, they are getting added a lot. And Google's paying attention to them because they're recent content. Google really mm-hmm. likes things that are recent. And so since that template on your site is going to often be the most recent, having that in a good place is going to be sending positive signals to Google. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what else? I mean, uh, maybe we might be getting into more speculative territory here, but kind of looking out over the next year, I mean, do you have any thoughts about what else might be on the horizon, maybe not announced or just kind of bigger picture strategy ideas that you're thinking about personally? Yeah, I think, you know, in line with that thinking from earlier about, you know, just creating things that are good for users, I think we're going to see more and more of that. What we've seen in probably the last, gosh, even year, in the last year, there have been a lot of developments in terms of what CMSs can do, um, particularly page builders. So things where a a non-developer can go in and and make a, you know, maybe a a more graphically interesting page than just, you know, Mm -hmm. text. I think what we're going to see is a resurgence of longer form content, which I think is is a little bit of a hot take. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's going to be true because Google now is really, really looking at, are you matching that intent, like we said, and it's looking at, are you fully answering the question? And I think if you're looking at things like how long people are spending on a particular page and on your website in a total session, I think what we're going to see is if things are going well for you in terms of SEO, that number is going to be tracking 
with it. So mm-hmm. as your time on page goes up and your time per session goes up, I think you're also going to see an increase in rankings because you know, Google has been very evasive when people have asked, do you take that as a signal? And they've been like, well, there's a lot of signals. And, you know, they've yeah. really, they've, uh, politician answered it uh, really yeah. well a couple of times. I, I encourage you guys, anybody in the PR space, to go and look at how Google answers questions about how the algorithm works. It's Did we mention largest class. contentful pain? How about that? Yeah, it was, it's amazing. They're there and they do it live on camera. It's, again, it's, it's fascinating. But yeah, I think we're going to see a, a resurgence in that because I think that for, For a little while, there was a a big trend in having essentially a page on everything. Um, Mm. So any topic you had, that gets a page. You have a topic on this, oh, that gets a new page. Instead of creating these comprehensive resources. And so when I talk about that, I'm talking about like, say, your, uh, your application page. So you know, there's always going to be like a landing page of like, hey, let's point people who are like ready to apply. Mm -hmm. Let's get them to that. But I think, you know, there's going to be a need for a more robust, like, hey, here's just the rundown. Here's how the process works. Here's the documents and milestones you'll need along the way. Because so oftentimes, you know, people are having to to search around a million different places to find what they're looking for. And I think, Google doesn't like that. I mean, time and time again, Google's actually even said, we don't want people to bounce back. That's why bounce rates are bad, right? So I think having a a nice, comprehensive resource um, for important topics, that's going to be even more valuable in 2021 Mm -hmm. than ever before. And I mean, that's kind of a tall order, though, if you think about it. I mean, a, a a very rich, deep page that also loads really fast. And I mean, that that can be a lot to balance and then to have, you know, it, it'd be something that's also also happens to be on brand and accurate and all those things. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of considerations that have to go into that. Absolutely. It's it's not easy. And I think, you know, the, the flip side of that is, yeah, if it's that difficult, the ones who do it really well, like yeah. that's really going to be powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I have a little bit of a hot take okay. and you can, you can set me straight on this if you don't think it's going anywhere. But uh, one thing we haven't really talked about is how much the search results page has changed over the years. And so now you have all these new types of content that are being pulled in. I mean, if you go, anybody here goes to search for their school, they're going to see sort of rich content blocks, you know, pulling data, not just from their website and pulling information, not just from their website, but from lots of different sources that may not be able to control into kind of a more or less a listing that appears. And it's super interesting to see how that's involved. Mm -hmm. So evolved over time. So my kind of take on that over the next year is I hypothesize that Google is trying to move people to more of like, and I don't think I came up with this, but more of like a zero click environment Mm -hmm. where if you're clicking on something, it's just within that Google product and you can find everything you need on that Google search results page and they can serve you more ads and you don't necessarily have to click through to you know, the website to get the information you were looking for, which is great for Google, but I think stinks for us. And I, and I wonder if uh, this is really going out on a limb, if we might see sort of 
total referral traffic coming out of Google decline over time. This is me like reaching very far now, but it seems like kind of a logical thing that might happen if that was that's kind of where they're going. What's your take on that? I I think you're absolutely right. And I think we're yes. already starting Score. to see some of that. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think it's important to put a couple of asterisks next to that too, because, you know, where before you might have somebody, maybe a prospective student. So maybe this prospective student, you know, they know they want to call the admissions department because they've got a question that they don't know how to put succinctly and they want to talk to a person. Great. We we want an admissions yes, counselor to be call. able to talk to them. So before, you know, maybe three years ago, they may have had to search for your school and, you know, click on your page and then scroll down to your footer to get the phone number. That's not a good experience for them. And they might get distracted or lost in that process and forget to call you. What happens now is you search, you know, school name, phone number, and that pops up in a pretty little knowledge graph and they call that directly. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, yeah, are you losing traffic? Sure. What you're probably doing, though, is increasing conversion. You're increasing yeah. the speed that they're talking to an admissions counselor and they're having a good experience while they do it. And so I think it's important, you know, as we think about those traffic losses, that it's you're moving it from one bucket to another. And that's the better bucket for it to be in. Mm. You don't want to slow down the process for for people making those informational requests uh that Google can serve up quickly and easily. And so I I think we are going to see that. I think we are already seeing it um, on some of those very, very straightforward uh, mm-hmm. searches. But I don't think it's a reason to panic. I think it's actually a, a reason to celebrate because if you're able to get, you know, answers in front of prospective students of, you know, things that they need to know in order to consider you, <laughs> to kind of put you on their application list, mm-hmm. you want them to get that information as quickly as possible. The danger, though, I think the true danger is not a loss in traffic, is that those answers are inaccurate. Right. The, right. Yeah. Like that. that's not. Oh, the, no. What's getting pulled into the knowledge graph is not coming from a source that we control. And it's incorrect. Absolutely. And I think what we see right now on higher ed searches is the people also ask. Um, mm-hmm. So we're seeing that. I'm not going to say on every school, but it's been a while since I've seen one that didn't have it. And there's a list of questions and and some of them are tuition related. Some of them are, you know, do they offer housing? And it's not only pulling in official sources mm-hmm. from the school. Sometimes it's a listing site. So like your, your niche.com, your college Raptor, and it's pulling in stuff from that, that if you haven't mm-hmm. provided them with accurate information, they may not have it. And so, you know, I think the, the name of the game there is to look and to make sure um, and to take any actions to make sure that that information is accurate, not necessarily going to your site, but going to a site that has accurate information that's going to prompt the user towards converting. Mm -hmm. Well, and and I know a lot of folks are already doing this, but the word that kind of comes to mind for me is like managing that total web presence Mm -hmm. and thinking about all the different places where information about your school might live and how can we, you know, do our best, control what we can, what can be controlled. Mm -hmm. And that that has, you know, there's a lot that's going to live off the the EDU Mm -hmm. that you may be able to, to control. Unfortunately, sometimes for a price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I will say, like, you think about it this way. If you have somebody that you really like and respect and they go, hey, you've got to check out this new restaurant. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. You're going to be like, hmm, okay. 
If you have five different people, even a couple of them you don't like that much, but they all tell you to check out that restaurant, you're really going to feel good about like going there on Saturday night. And so, you know, I would say that you don't want it all to go to your site because you want to be making a good impression on different sites because that just builds that reputation. It builds that total reputation in a way that is gives a lot more trust building. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I'm coming back. It would just popped into my mind was a presentation I delivered years ago where it was back in the zero moment of truth days in Google. Remember Mm -hmm. that? And they, people were rating how much they trusted Google versus how much they trusted like their parents and close friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they were almost equal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So here we are just at the sort of the logical conclusion of all that. Well, super interesting. Well, Catherine, any parting words of wisdom for folks, you know, as we embark on 2021 and we're looking to improve our search rankings, anything we should be thinking about or want to leave us with? Yeah. I mean, I would say I would say two things. First, do not forget about the page experience update. I mean, really, really don't don't get overwhelmed with it and say, oh, we'll do it later. Really look at it. The sooner you get that handled, the better off the SEO to your website is going to be. And, and the second, you know, kind of parting wisdom, I would say is don't forget that you know SEO and all the insights you get from SEO can also be a great like business insights uh, Mm -hmm. tool as well. You know, knowing, say, if you have multiple campuses, how many people are searching for each one, right? Versus, you know, just your name and seeing what programs are in demand. I mean, you can can go into, you know, many different search engine optimization tool of choice. Um, There's a lot of great ones out there. I personally love Ahrefs and Moz, but you know, SEM Rush has got some great resources as well. But, you know, look in there and see, you know, if your provost is looking into, you know, should we offer a degree on, you know, X or Y or X and Y, I mean, you could look at how often are people searching for, you know, colleges with X major, mm-hmm. colleges with Y program. And you can really get to see, you know, is there a demand for it um, and really, you know, pull that in. And so these SEO tools, you know, can do so much more than SEO, you know, be thinking about that. I think it's a great way to to kind of have a two-way conversation that's that's more productive and more collaborative. Interesting. Well, Catherine, this has been a fun conversation and I'm so glad we got to circle up and do this and uh, looking forward to next year when we get to do it again. I know we'll have more SEO conversations on the podcast between now and then, but I think this will be a fun look ahead. Absolutely. No, always great to talk. The Higher Ed Marketing Lab is produced by Echo Delta, a full-service enrollment marketing agency for colleges and universities of all sizes. To see some of the work we've done and how we've helped schools just like yours, visit echodelta.co. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, if you have a comment, question, suggestion, or episode idea, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at echodelta.co. 